everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Breakpoint Podcast. Haven't had one in a while, but uh, we are back. Uh, my main man, Frank, is with me today. And also two really good old-time friends of mine who I just played in a fantastic tennis tournament with. We have Schoolyard Social uh, co-founders, Win Smith, Lucas Pickering. Guys, welcome to the show. Hey, hey. Yeah, much for having us, man. Excited Pumped to be on. to be here. The redemption good. tour for Breakpoint Podcast starts now. Month off. We're back at it. We're fresh, ready to go, unlike half of the players at the top of the tour who are just absolutely grueling in month 10 of the ATP tour season. Grinding. <laughs> But yeah, we're so glad to be on here, man. Thanks for having us. It's so funny. The redemption tour feels like it's such a fitting, fitting thing as we were just with Marcus and he had his redemption tour in the schoolyard social first uh, tennis turn, which was so much fun, which I feel like is such a good fit. You know, um, I'm sure you felt good about it, Marcus. Yeah, I felt I fe- it was interesting because I was like thinking to myself, you know, I bet you, like I was confident, you know, I've been playing and I was, you know, I work out a lot and stuff but i was still i was like i wonder what these boys have been up to because you guys all used to beat me back in the day and uh you know i came out and at first i played uh peter who was like extremely good who won d3 winter nationals or right indoor national something like that yeah something like that and he was definitely the closest to like the college you know fitness i feel like which was a good little win you know and everything like that and it's funny as we said before but like we used to play all the time, you know, and I feel like there were people in the tournament who would have like beaten you and then you just tore up the tournament and was like by far the cleanest game. And, you know, just so good seeing you you play like that, which is, you know, kind of what Squared Social is all about, too, is, is me playing college tennis and then at Wesleyan and missing, you know, competing and having something like that. And then um, being like, all right, I guess we got to start ourselves. We're going to have to throw sports, throw tournaments, throw games um, and did that through tennis and then got to play with all you guys, which was, which was such a good time. Yeah, I mean, the the funny thing about this tennis tournament was like, you know, Wynn and I, we've thrown a flag football tournament, we've done a spike ball tournament, we've, you know, we've had a beer pong tournament. But for tennis, you know, we knew everyone we were calling. And so it was a, it was a lot different because like, you know, it's it's been a while since we've seen all these people. But like, you know, we were calling names like Kyle Alper and, you know, like... I don't know. Just it, it was just like a blast from the past seeing all these guys come and like pretty much the biggest thing we were hearing from everyone was like, yeah, man, like I would love to play, but like I haven't really played that much in a while and I don't want to get embarrassed out here. Yeah. And it was just like, you know, no one really knew the level of anyone. Uh, but then we, you know, when when we heard Marcus was coming, I heard from my boy Steve that uh, shout out to Steve Kaloris. Uh, that that Steve was like, well, Marcus is just going to dominate the tournament, you know? And I was like, well, we'll see about that. But well, lo and behold, he did. So <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, it was, a, it was a good time. It was amazing. Lots of fun. Highly recommend. Um, and that's what we really want to get into here, guys. Give us a little bit of background on yourselves. Obviously, I know your backstory. I grew up with you guys um, over at Cunningham. But for our listeners... Where do you guys come from uh, and how did we get to Schoolyard Social? What is Schoolyard Social and what kind of plans do we have for the future? Talk to us about it. For sure. Yeah, yeah. I can start it off. So I'm Wynn Smith and I was like born and raised in Brooklyn, grew up here, still in Brooklyn, and then uh, played tennis competitively all throughout New York where I got to know Marcus and 
Lucas has always been my best friend and doubles partners. We ended up winning states in New York, which was so much fun in high school, um, all this stuff. And then went to play tennis at Wesleyan, work now at Sony Music, where I do mainly like video production stuff. But on the side, like missed all these, you know, Lucas and I have always just been like competitive guys, whether we're playing football, we're playing basketball, playing ping pong, beer pong, anything. So basically we had this idea to start throwing tournaments so we can, you know, bring it a step above like rec level sports where it's kind of like adding money to the picture and for really college athletes like a lot like you know Marcus and and Lucas and I where we like miss competing on that level so we're bringing these leagues all around uh, New York City which has been so much fun and then um you know another nice thing too which I think Marcus you can definitely relate is um like when you're playing at a competitive level, there's such, you know, nervousness, things like that. And we brought the level of like the social side of, you know, we're having fun, like having beers while also competing and trying to win, which has been um, a cool platform. I don't know anything you want to add to Lucas, but yeah, I mean, you know, Lynn pretty much said that perfectly, but I think the main thing when you graduate from college is there's really not a lot of ways to stay in shape. I mean, you, you either go to the gym or you run and it's just, it's super boring, you know? And like, I, I quickly saw myself gaining weight, you know, after college and being like, well, this, I got nothing to look forward to. I got no tournaments, you know, on the horizon. I got no games. And it's like, I forgot how much I missed, you know, those like, Wednesday nights look like the draw comes out seeing who I play first round you know like I miss that feeling and I think what Wynn and I really wanted to you know get and like capture is like bring that back and have these be competitive but now we're not you know 16 year old kids we're like adults you know who've got other things in our lives but like to bring back something competitive but also you know have a beer afterwards and, and catch up with with you know these guys you went to battle with you know back in the day so you know that it, it was an idea that win initially came up with and when he told me about it it um you know it it just sparked a huge light bulb in my head and uh, you know it was something i was like holy shit this is amazing i would you know i'd love to just dedicate all my time doing this yeah i i think marcus told me about this tournament and I was like, that's awesome. Like, I remember all of these names from USTA Eastern way back in the day and like the PSAL stuff, like it just all came flooding back. And then, you know, he sent me, you know, afterwards saying, you know, we got to do a podcast with these guys, you know, Schoolyard Social. And he sent me all the links and I looked at it and I was like, one, how the hell has no one thought of this before? And two, like this is quintessentially like the best parts of college, like where let's just keep it going like that's that's basically what it is it, it's you know those times in college when you text your friends and be like hey you guys want to go play like three on three pickup basketball right now for two hours because it's nice outside like let's go do that you know and 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 i think that that's like so so good to continue that in you know quote unquote the real world because um and i think this is something that's important um you know one of the things that we've been reading about in like the news and whatever is like young men more than any other point in history are like really, really lonely. There's like suicide rates are off the charts, like all of these really crazy things. And like, this is the type of activity and an app that I think is really has the potential to make a very big difference to a lot of people's life and make them a lot less lonely coming out of college and like 
not only give them that exercise portion that they love so much and like the fitness side of it, which is great, but also give them the social side of it that's like a lot less pretentious and scary than like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to like a country club and play in my Wimbledon whites. Like, no, like no one really wants to do that anymore. So I very much feel like this is like adapting it to be a lot more friendly and a lot more fun. And I, I think what you guys are doing is is really, really awesome. So I think what we'd love to hear about next is like, what do you guys sort of have in the pipeline? And also, how can people get involved right now? Yeah, for sure. And what you said, you know, is is so true. It's so cool about it, too. Not only that it like is supplying all these health benefits and things like that, getting people together out there, but and you said young men, which is so what it's it's so true, you know, for but what's so cool about it, too, is like everyone, you know, if you're a human, you have like some sort of passion and it can really relate to anyone. Like as we get into more cooking tournaments, we have like a thing in the pipeline for a karaoke tournament, you know, getting people who aren't necessarily into like just sports, but games, too which is, you know, something we're really looking forward to is just like scaling out, getting into more things all throughout New York. Um, and then eventually, you know, scaling around throughout the entire country where we're working with like a bunch of different college reps who we want to throw different tournaments with. Um, one really big thing I'm looking forward to is I think we're going to be out to find Schoolyard Social's number one beer pong player throughout college. And basically have all these colleges have tournaments at their own sites um, and the winners will all be able to compete for a large sum of money that we're figuring out and kind of, you know, really bring this together on a bigger level, which, which I think will be awesome. Um, so we're in the works for building out our website, which is schoolyardsocial.org, uh, which will be up in like a month or so. And then right now people can definitely follow us too, just on Instagram, um, to stay updated on the stuff. It's uh, schoolyard social and yeah, that's pretty much it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Lucas, you want to add anything else about where we're going, but yeah, I mean, at this point right now, the best way to find out about tournaments and signing up is just following us on the schoolyard social on, on Instagram. Um, but Frankie, I, I do want to address your question or like what you brought up. Cause I think it's such a good point. I think so much of my life and the friendships that I've made in my life is because of playing sports with my friends. And it's kind of like, that nonverbal understanding of someone, you know, and I feel like men in general kind of understand that really at a really like core level. It's like if someone's on your team, it doesn't matter if they're the weirdest dude in the world, like you become boys with that guy if you guys win together, you know, or if you lose, but it's a great battle and you guys worked well together. And I think a lot of guys lose that after, you know, after college, if, you know, if they, and so I, I think that's really a huge thing that, what, you know, something we want to bring back and like, because, you know, that competitive edge is really fun. You know, it's, it's a great Absolutely. thing and it's, and it's, you know, so I'm glad you brought that up because that's definitely something we're, we're really trying to address. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool too. One thing I'll just add to that, like, I think a difference with our tournaments rather than like a rec league or something like that, that you're doing throughout you know, all the fall or all the spring is like when we do these one day tournaments where everyone will put an entry fee in and the winner is going to take, you know, all the entry fees and win money. It brings a level of like competitiveness and like the fact that you feel like you're competing in college again or you're competing on your own little pro tour, you know, um, makes it really, really cool. And that's where we want to go to next when we build out this website too of like having ranking systems when we have enough like tournaments of who's the best at 
beer pong, tennis, this in this area, and all these all these cool ideas um, of where we want to go. Yeah, absolutely. That's a fantastic idea, and just the way that you guys are already thinking about it is, I could see it going so far. Um, talk to me a little bit about the relationship that you guys have with the app Lucra that we used. Um, kind of curious about that, how that came to be, and kind of actually tell us what Lucra really is, also. Yeah, I can jump in for, for this one too for right now. But um, it's basically Lucra is an awesome app too. They do peer-to-peer um, betting, right? Through like a legal standpoint on an app where it could be you playing corn or cornhole with your friend and like you want to you wanna bet on it with them or as far as even um, betting on a game, right? Where you're like, I think Steph Curry is going to have more threes tonight than um, Lamar Jackson will have touchdowns. Like you can bet across platform, all these unique bets that you can do rather than a DraftKings where you're just betting on a game um, are done through Lucre where you'll, where you'll set a bet with a friend, put it in escrow for like $10 and then the winner will collect all the money. Um, so they came to us and we've talked just through mutual friends where we can help each other because obviously we're betting for money and they're you know an app that runs that, um, which has been really nice to to work with them and help market each other and they can help like legitimize our process right now. Um, going through more an established app, you know, and things like that, which has been, been really cool. Um, yeah. Well, when, what are their, you know, wind's been dealing with the Lucre guys more than I have, but my understanding is like they are two Stanford kids who created this company, right? Like, and it just, I mean, it's a very cool idea of, of, you know, doing a peer to peer sports. And like, you know, I think the idea also, it's like, you know, let's say Wynn is playing Marcus in the semifinals of a schoolyard social tournament. You know, I can put it out on, you know, my Instagram story being like, guys, huge matchup between Wynn versus Marcus, you know, put your bets in through Lucra and you can get a ton of people to bet on that. Um, and so that's just something that hasn't really been seen before. And I think that's like an, an incredible, you know, there's so many ideas you can run with, with, with that idea. Um, so yeah, I mean, they're still very young, very like big start, you know, young startups. So a lot, a lot of places they can go, but we're very excited that, um, you know, and Wynn gets a lot of credit for this, for kind of reaching out and, and seeking them out and, and making that connection because, you know, we're two very young companies kind of growing up together, which is, uh, you know, we're trying to look out for them. They're looking out for us, which is very exciting. That's awesome. It's so cool. Frank, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's great that you guys picked someone who's also um, young and can grow with you and you can grow with them and they're going to give you attention and you're going to give them attention. And it like, kind of is like this symbiotic relationship of like oh yeah we can test like all of your stuff for you basically and give you actual feedback and good a good amount of users and they can actually like craft an experience for your users and the people that are going to schoolyard social and say um you know here's a specific sort of like interface for you guys that like will really give you guys a, a great experience and make it super easy for people to sign up and enjoy and and have fun um i think that's awesome uh my other question for you guys is I'm going to take away the tennis tournament as one of the options because I feel like that is a very personal one. So like that's off the board. What has been your favorite tournament that you've thrown so far? 
Ooh, that's a great question. I don't know if you want, I'll take it first, because I got to think about that one. There's been a lot of really fun ones. Um, I would probably have to go with the the last beer pong tournament that we had. It was honestly just so fun, because it was one of the first ones where we've been growing to the point, too, where like a lot of the people who had signed up were uh, like random people who had just you know followed the Instagram and things like that, which is really cool. And then also, I mean, it's beer pong. People are partying, and we got to know everyone. And I really think at the end of that, there was this like camaraderie and moment because um, you ended up having 32 co-ed teams. So it was like 64 people, all boy, girl, perfect wow. ratio. You can't, com- you know, can't complain there either. That's a, big, <laughs> that's a big tournament. Where did you guys hold that? We hold that at uh, Lucas's place, actually. Oh, stop. What kind of place you got, Lucas? Damn, you able to host 64 peeps for a beer pong tournament? Just ruined ruined our house for the next month, you know. (laughs) Beer everywhere. But it was, I mean, definitely worth it. Definitely. It was, yeah. It was such a fun event. Everyone was really, you know, just having a great time at the end. You could feel it. You could feel it. No, I mean, that that was an all-time event. And, um, you know, a great thing about an event like that is, like, at the end of it, everyone's just, you know, feeling themselves, feeling great. I would say the one that I look back on with the, you know, fondest memories is probably the spike ball tournament because that was really our first one that we threw where we like kind of put our name out to like invite people we didn't really know. And we got into like a discord and chat with like a spike ball community. And so like we did, we like, you know, this was before we really kind of were set up at all we were just seeing what could you know what could happen and so we like got to prospect park you know at like 9 a.m bought a bunch of cones just staked out some land and then you know we had bought some spike ball nets and just put them down and we didn't really know who was going to show up or and then that turned out to be like a legitimate 32 teams also um and you know I like to think that I'm incredible at spike ball. Um, and like amongst my friend group, I, I am. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, there's a whole new level, right? And so like I lost in the semis against a team that just was like, I didn't even know that there was this level. And it, like it wasn't even fun for me. It was just, you know, like it was insane. But yeah, was- that, that would be the one I would say, yeah. What was cool with that too, I'll just add one more thing there, was that that the spike ball tournament, which was so awesome, the winner was actually like ranked in the country. I think they were like ninth team in the country and had played on the US spike ball team and and they had just signed up. So like getting to play with, you know, that's the other cool thing about Squared is you can discover people in the city you would never know. Like I never thought I'd be able to play some ranked spike ball player. And again, Lucas and I thinking we're, oh, we'll dominate this thing and then just getting crushed by them. Shout out Max Model. Yeah, Max Model saw that tournament. Was like, this is the easiest money I'm ever gonna make. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know we had pro spike ball. That's that's pretty neat. And they're joining Schoolyard Social on a Saturday morning. How about that? Yeah, almost as ridiculous as a pro pickleball tour. Oh, stop. Dude, what's going on with that? Like, why is that on Tennis Channel now? It's, why is it? It's a, why is pickleball a thing? I, I think know. didn't LeBron buy a team and someone everyone so did like Tom Brady, team. so did Kim Kleisters. They're all franchising out. What a bunch of sellouts. You're it's kidding. so lame. It's I don't know. I'm kind of a fan. I don't know, guys. I'm kind of loving it. I feel like as a tennis player, you gotta just 
always hate pickleball because it's just so easy. It's like I there's no, I there's mean, not enough to it. Yeah, sure I have a lot it? of I have a lot of very complicated thoughts on pickleball. I think that for people who physically are not able to play a full court tennis experience, I think it's great, right? Because like I'd rather you play a racket sport than no racket sport at all, right? Like uh, inevitably there will be people who play pickleball and then look over and then say, oh, there's a way cooler, much more physically intensive sport. I should go play that instead. Um, What I don't want to happen is like, everybody puts all of this time and money and energy and marketing into pickleball that it's like, okay, we could probably fix like half of tennis's problems if we just did like any of this effort for tennis instead. Um, which unfortunately I think is kind of starting to happen, which is incredibly frustrating. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're taking away my tennis courts. I'm, I'm not thrilled about it is the, is the net 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 of it yeah the amount of pickleball courts that have been or tennis courts that have been converted into pickleball specific courts or when you pull up to new york city like frank and i play over at crochon park now and it used to be apparently one court was the pickleball court and i'm doing air quotes here uh Frank has informed me since I moved to Denver that now it is two courts with those freaking lines. Yeah, um, no, I mean, they're pulling a rush. I'm Ukraine and they're Russia. All right. And they're taking over like the Donbass right now. I am not super happy about this. I'm going to have to start a rebellion is the answer. He, he, but, he needs me back for that. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, whatever. Um, I, I also like. I don't even get me started. Pickleball is like a whole longer conversation. I'm going to be in Naples, Florida next week, which is where the U S open of pickleball is. It's like pickleball central. And I am fully going to go on like a complete, uh, undercover operation to discover what these people are doing to, uh, to, to the country. Cause it's not something's up. When you got to, ex- yeah, you got to explain us what, what's your deal with pickleball? Like what, what's your side of the argument? <laughs> No, I don't even love it. I've played it a few times. But the one thing that I maybe you know what it is, is that my one, my hope, my dream when I was younger being like, I'm going to be a pro tennis player. It's like, oh, I don't have it now. And then I'm like, maybe I could play a little pro pickle. And I just hold on to that in the back of my head. And I'm like, all right, I like it. (laughs) Noah Rubin had the same thought. And that's why he's a giant quitter now. Is he playing pro pickle? He's doing pickle. Marcus, you you could go ahead. You could go yeah, ahead and answer that one. I'm just, d- I'm just dropping fire bombs over here. So, yeah, Noah realized he wasn't good enough for the tour, and so he decided to pick up a, a, what do they call it? A pickle? A paddle? What do a they paddle, call it? A paddle. A paddle. Okay, he picked up a pickle paddle, so now he's a pro pickleball player. I mean, a huge problem I have is why is it called pickleball? I, I don't know. That. You're hitting a, a wiffle ball with a giant ping pong paddle. It makes no sense to me, but right. whatever. Just, I do love calling the the when you go to nets like don't get in the kitchen. You know, the kitchen's great. The kitchen, the kitchen is awesome. I gotta support that it. You know I, I gotta support it because it's kind of got that schoolyard flair to it. It's like tennis with a little bit more social social ability. People are getting together. All these tournaments are kind of like. I don't know if you've seen this guy with the crazy long hair. It's like LeBron's buying it. It's commercial, you know. But it's, oh yeah, I mean, listen. What it reminds me of is like playing cornhole. Right. Where it's like right, this is right. this is a great like, you know, July 4th. I'm out with the fam. Like, let's draw lines on the driveway, put a little net up and we could play some pickleball or like we could play some cornhole. And that's exactly what it was. Right. Like, that's how pickleball was founded as like 
these guys in Washington at their like summer lake house drew lines in their backyard in their driveway, put up a little net, and they were just like, we're going to create this game. And like they created a various set of rules. So that way, like you couldn't spike the ball. You can't do overhand serves like these these rules that restrict you. So that way, like you can't physically just dominate a game, really. Um, and that's that's like the origins of pickleball. And that's why it's so popular and so effective with everybody. But, you know, I, I know Ruben sucks. All right. That's all I got. As a tennis player, as a tennis player, too, I got I got to show my hate. I saw the New York Times article was like a photo of tennis players looking sadly as people play pickleball on their courts. And I got, you know, I, I hear you. It's it's bad. It's really, 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 really bad. Build them then, separately. If you want to build them separately, I'm cool with it. But like n- you're not coming in and taking away my tennis courts. It's just and not, then not happening. Noah Rubin has the audacity on his like Instagram story or whatever it is to like post his pickleball tournament that he went to whoop de doo congratulations. And like, he's, he's saying like, this is the most hype that I've ever seen. This is the most hype tournament I've ever been to is way more hype than any other tennis tournament that I've been to. Like, yeah, I'm sure a professional first class pickleball tournament is better than the freaking like Kazakhstan challenger that you actually stand a chance from ending up in the black end. But like, bite me. Like, I, I just can't stand like that's such like a, a whack take. Like instead of talking about like, oh, let's fix the minor leagues of tennis. It's like, I'm going to go play pickleball and completely like ditch this game instead. Thanks, Noah. Awesome. So I think it's fair to say that Breakpoint Podcast will not be receiving any promotions on Noah Rubin's Instagram. I think it's fair to say that. Am I right, guys? All right. Um, I got a very important question for you guys, and this is going to determine whether or not we actually post this episode. Does Schoolyard Social plan on hosting a pickleball tournament? For what it's worth, I think you should. I, I mean, I think we will. I, I don't know. Uh, like, I, I mean... It's just kind of the easiest tournament to throw, you know, you can get so many people, it's, you don't need that much space, you know, I mean, maybe we do it though, so we like, because obviously there's nothing worse than like a hardo, like, like a pickleball hardo type, so I think it might be like, we have to add drinking to the game, because, I don't know, I I don't know how you guys feel like when you play pickleball. I've played maybe three times, and like, it's just like unless you're playing with really good like people who've been playing for a while, if you're just like going out with like people who are trying to have fun, like it's it's just not that fun of a game. I don't know. It's like so easy. I don't know. What what do you guys? I can't I can't speak to it because I haven't played pickleball. It's against my religion. I didn't realize you guys were the biggest pickleball haters, but I kind of, I can hear it. I can hear it. I know it's tough because I feel like we got to throw one too just because it's such a, gr- I heard it's the growing fastest, fastest sport in America. Just it is. And Sorry to, to burst the bubble, but. No, and listen, I think you guys should. And the only time I would play pickleball is at a schoolyard social pickleball tournament. That is the only time that I would compromise my race. And to be, and, my guy. And to be clear, like, 
I think you guys should do it. And it's perfect for schoolyard social because that's the type of game that pickleball should be. It should be just like um, it's fun, social, hanging out with friends, family, like, you know, backyard. Like that's what it was and that's what it should be. And in that role, I think it is awesome and like right up there with cornhole. But there's a reason that no one on this podcast can name any professional cornhole player. Like, it just doesn't translate to that like upper echelon where I'm just like, oh, great. This 75 year old man is definitely an elite athlete. Like what? It just it, it, like at some point it just like doesn't tie out. And like that's my biggest issue with like all the pickleball hype that's going on is it's like, of course, it's going to be fast growing and, you know, have all the numbers that it does like anybody can play it. It's so easy to play. But like the thing that I like watching in the NBA is a six foot nine LeBron James, like jump from the free throw line and dunk the ball in because I can't even touch the rim. So, <laughs> like, you know, it, yeah, but people like, want pickleball to relate, doesn't man. have that. Like I, I watch pickleball and I'm just like, okay, like give me some time to train. And like, I could probably come close to like doing a lot of this stuff. The one I really want to try, which seems to be like blowing up too, is especially amongst our friend Padel. I haven't I haven't played Padel, but I'm hearing that just from like a strictly having fun as like a rackets person. That's that sounds crazy. I don't even understand. It. It's like you go out of the it's squash tennis. You can go out of the stadium. Something. Yeah, Padel is like basically the um, pickleball of Europe. It's everywhere, and it's built separately from tennis courts. That's the key. That's that's the key. That's it right there. Well, they can co yeah, they can coexist. I haven't played it yet, but I've heard very good things about it. And like, I agree with what Market just said. I think the key part about it is that it's a sport that can coexist with tennis. And like, if anything, like they boost each other up rather than pickleball, which is seemingly like cannibalizing a lot of tennis right now. Absolutely. And all right, Lucas Wynn. We'll switch from pickleball because it's getting pretty depressing here. Uh, we're gonna get we're gonna have our last little conversation here before we wrap things up. Thoughts on thoughts and predictions on next year's ATP tour. Who is gonna be year end number one? And uh, let's let's stick with the Australian Open because a lot of things can happen thereafter. But let's see your Aussie Open pick and your year end number one. What do you got? Assuming Novak Djokovic can play it. I'll just make that caveat also because yep. that's another thing that we can't predict. If Novak yep. Djokovic plays. Good point. Win. Oh, yeah, I was hoping you were going to put it on Lucas first because I was like, it's I, let me, give me some time to think. But the thing that's so fun with these questions too, though, right, which I was talking to Lucas about the other day, is like tennis in general, we've never been able to like dive into how many options we have. You know what I mean? And like for how long? And now it's like we actually have all these people. Um. For the Aussie Open, if Djokovic plays it, I I gotta go Joker. I think he's gonna I think he's gonna take it. That would be my pick on the Aussie Open. Um, and I think for year end number one, I'm probably gonna go. See, that's the thing is, I would love to say Alcaraz, and I'm a big Alcaraz fan and love that, but don't think he could ever do that right now. I think I'm gonna go with Medvedev. Okay, bold choice, um, Lucas. So I really think for this Australian and pretty much for the whole, you know, 2023 season, I think it's going to be a three-way battle. 
between Novak, Alcaraz, and Sinner. And I think it's going to be fireworks. I think it's going to be some of like the best tennis we've we've ever seen. And I also think, you know, back to what Wynn just, you know, Wynn's point, like we're in this very interesting era that reminds me of like, you know, 2002, 2003, 2004, when like Sampras, Agassi, you know, they, they were at the last, you know, they were retiring and it was like, who's going to take the throne next, you know? And, and, you know, obviously Roger took the throne and had the most insane prime we've ever seen. Um, you know, maybe Novak in 2011, but, um, you know, just, I just think it's an, an incredible year. I think Novak Sol's got a lot of like anger that he doesn't show to people. And I think this is going to be a redemption year of like, you know, all you guys who didn't let me play, like now that I'm playing, like, look what you, like, look what you denied, you know, you denied greatness. And like, I should be the best. I should have the most majors of all time, but you know, you guys didn't allow me to. Um, I don't know. I think I'm pumped for this year. I think it's going to be incredible. And I also think we've, we finally see in Sinner and Alcaraz two guys that like are legitimate threats to Novak. And we haven't seen that, you know, none of the next gen guys I ever thought, maybe Medvedev at Australia or the U.S. Open. Um, but I never really thought that he was at the same level like as Novak on a hard court um, and definitely not on clay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking. I, I will just add, I can't wait to see that Alcaraz like over the next five years, just like Alcaraz and Sinner become the biggest rivalry and like, just look forward to that battle. And yeah. I think that they're going to really like be at the peak there and, and, and obviously doing it. Um, I'm definitely an out and it's it's cool like because we grew up in a Federer Nadal like world that was like that and I feel like that could almost be at that level and like people already are like taking sides and stuff and I definitely am an Alcaraz guy in between them them two you got to put it out there because of his fight and like watching him play energy you know I'm curious you guys if you guys your your thoughts on that exact question and and between Alcaraz and Sinner who who you who you root for um I, I, first, I, yeah. I yeah I can go first so. Um, number one, I completely agree with you and to sort of give insight into like a little bit of behind the scenes as to why we started the podcast when we did, we started this podcast very much to set ourselves up for 2023. Like we both sort of saw that that would be the year for a variety of reasons that it would be tennis's most important year. I mean, in my lifetime, certainly, um, Number one, the Netflix show that's going to be coming out that's sort of going to be giving the behind the scenes of all of the previous Grand Slams, I think, will inevitably give tennis a little bit of a boost, very similar to like what happened to Formula One with Drive to Survive. So I think that's number one. Number two, it was very obvious to see that like uh, Nadal and Djokovic were, were trending down, like the, the gap was 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 getting smaller and smaller. You know, we didn't see necessarily Alcaraz and Sinner getting this good this fast as they have. But, you know, we knew that some, that the power vacuum was going to start in 2023. And, and that, I think, we're both 
very in full agreement on and have always been is that 2023 is the year where it's like, okay, this is probably, at least for Rafa, this is definitely his last fully competitive year um, as, a, as a player, like to actually win a major. Um, so, so completely agree with you on that point. I think 2023 going to be the most interesting year on the tour in a long, long time. Uh, as for the question of who I think, um, I won't, I'll try not to give too much away, um, just because we'll have like previews and all that stuff. But, uh, very briefly, I would say that the favorite to win it is probably going to be Novak Djokovic if he does play. Um, second, I would actually probably go with Yannick Sinner because I think that he does have that sort of fight and desire left. Whereas like, I definitely think Alcaraz does have it, but like, I think Jan saw that like he was this close to winning that match at the U S open and probably would have been the favorite to win it if he wins that match against Alcaraz. So now it's just like, okay, like I beat him at Wimbledon and then I couldn't close out Novak and now I got to go take Australia. So that, that would be my sort of take on that. I have always been a center fan. I have really enjoyed the way that he has progressed and the way that he plays, but uh, I think what's beautiful about the center Alcaraz rivalry, and it's very reminiscent of the Federer Nadal rivalry, is both of those guys have a ton of respect for each other. They practice together, all these things. And I quite honestly like both of them a lot. Like, I'm happy when Alcaraz wins. I'm happy when Sinner wins. Like, it's just a massive W for tennis to have these two guys because if Stefano Tsitsipas and Daniil Medvedev and Alexander Zverev were the next gen, like, that is not a place that I would like tennis to be at because those guys suck. So no thanks. Wait, can, yeah, I, I, can I add one real? Yeah. Just listening to Frankie speak, it reminded me. I think a sneaky pick is Nick Kyrgios to win the Australian. 100% agree with you, by the way. I, I mean, 100%. I, th- I think Home he, slam. I also think for him to finally see younger guys who are doing better than him at majors. I mean, it's one thing for Zverev and Tsitsipas. I guess he's like a little older, but they're pretty much in the same generation. For for guys to be like seven years younger than him and like be legit title contenders, I think for him it's like, wow, I used to be this guy. I used to be the guy who everyone thought was the most talented dude. Now people like might forget about me. Um but I also just think he's playing incredible tennis, you know, like the, the way he played this, this year at Wimbledon and even at the U S open, I mean, he's, he's got the game and I, I, I want him to like, if, if he can stay motivated and hungry to do it, I think it'll just be such an amazing thing for tennis also. Nick Kyrgios is a great shout out because not only just the fact that he might be pissed off that people think that there's more talent he's also just matured now he's not fully done with that maturation process right he's still going a little cuckoo on the court which is naturally just kind of part of who he is in his game but to see him come from talking about how he's almost too afraid to win a slam when he came out in that podcast and said i'm just too afraid to know how good i'm gonna be for him to actually face that fear and like actually go for it is amazing not only just for tennis but really himself uh, and to see his personal development. So that's a great shout, Lucas. Plus, Australian Open, he loves playing there. That's his home crowd. That's his hometown. 
Uh, and he plays great on fast hardcore. So that's, that's a really good pick. Um, I'm going to go mainstream though. I'm picking Joker because the guy just owns Australia unless he's not let in right caveat if he's let in um and then world number one i'm gonna go carlos i think carlos is just on a different level this boy is just different he's just a tennis cyborg he's like what exactly what we've wanted just a complete tennis cyborg just he's got everything speed power finesse a drop shot this guy's got like lucas pickering hands i mean it's ridiculous I love that. I love that. He also has that ability of like getting a full crowd on his side. Yes. And I, I honestly, I don't know if I've ever seen that in any tennis player I've ever watched. I mean, obviously Federer has always had insane crowd support. Rafa could always play up to the crowd. Novak's had like a weird history with the crowd, but Alcaraz has this ability of like, you know, he could be down a break in the fourth set and comes up with the most miraculous shot and then knows exactly what to do with the crowd. Like he, he I mean, he, I, I was at the Alcaraz center match. I honestly felt as a fan, every time I cheered for Alcaraz, he had a better chance of winning the match. And like, as a fan, that's all you want. You know, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm invested. I love this guy. And I've I've never like he now that Federer's retired he is fully my guy and I know it's kind of like oh pretty lame Lucas like you went from Federer now to the world number one you know but it's like this guy's different you know it's it's so fun watching him it's crazy with him where you're thinking like and I know it's so early so it's hard to even say these things but it's just his game is you can't deny it like is there any player we've seen who has a more complete game in the mental like every side like if I'm trying to answer the question I'm curious if you guys even say to this like what is Alcaraz's biggest weakness I literally it's hard to to find something you know and almost every other player even Federer and Nadal like I can say things you know um so it's just it's it's like it really is jaw-dropping you know I mean, I mean it's, it's it's himself. Himself is the weakness, right? Yeah, he gets he can get too aggressive, and he starts going for shots. And then, if you have if he's going against a com- an opponent, you know, particularly Yannick Sinner in that Wimbledon match is a perfect example of it, right? If he's going against a com- an opponent that can hit just as hard as he can and can really push him back at the baseline and take balls early, that's the recipe. But again, like. That's incredibly difficult to do. And, <laughs> and to yeah, try to, to do that three out of five sets, have fun. Like, to Frank's point, there's only really, as far as future outlook, there's really only one guy who can do it, and that is Sinner. Like, I'm not... Exp- <laughs> yeah, We were talking about it on the podcast when we saw that Alcaraz was on the come up. We were like, Tverev, Tsitsipas, and even Med, y'all are... F-U-C-K-E-D, man. Like, y'all are done. Because this I guy's mean, that, just going to take all the slams. That episode that we did in March, I like, when we talked about, you know, Carlos specifically, and we said, like, you know, we, we crowned him right there. We were just like, this guy is it. Like, he is the future. He is the guy. Like, that very much, like, like that that is still our most popular episode to this date. And I'm happy that it is, because it happens to be one that we were, like, you know, bullseye right on it. But like, you know, he is, I have never seen a player like him. I mean, I, I was at this, the Alcaraz Tiafo semifinal. 
he is like one of the only guys I've ever seen who like in a crowd that consisted of the former first lady of the United States, like had an American crowd at a U.S. Open night session going for him over an American, like the first American in a semifinal, like men's semifinal in like 20 years or whatever it was, which is just bonkers to me. Like, it's just like you uh, to Lucas's point, like you feel it like there's just something like this guy makes some crazy slide, crazy shot like he does something and you're just like, what? Like the guy is just born to play tennis like this is definitely his purpose. And like the comparison that I've made with um, with Alcrez before, just to like wrap up the topic on him is you know, basketball had Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. And everybody thought, like, the game is never going to get better than this. Like, these are the two best players we've ever seen, you know, along with Kareem. Like, this is incredible. And then all of a sudden came Michael Jordan. And it's like, maybe Carlos Alcaraz is the Michael Jordan. And, like, I don't know, but, like, it would be really great for the game if he was. I think we, I think we got to get Lucas get the last word in here. Yeah, He's well, I just, I just want to say because... You know, the hype really is real and, you know, you can you can listen to like Patrick Maradoglu or like Rick Macy talk about, um, you know, Alcaraz and, and they say the same thing. They say they've never seen anything like it. But I will say this. I mean, I think the ceiling for Yannick Sinner is frankly higher than Alcaraz. I mean, the, the way Sinner played that match against Alcaraz at the U.S. Open some of the shots he can come up with, the ease of power he gets, and just the the, the ease of move, it, it doesn't look as difficult for him to play at that quality than it does for Alcaraz, who's doing the most insane slides and the most insane drop shots and the craziest like volleys. Sinner looks like this is just his game, you know? And obviously sometimes he can be off, but like in that match, I was I was struck by how simple Sinner made it look. And it was like, this dude's hitting a hundred mile per hour off both sides. And it's, you know, it's like nothing for him. It's the easiest power I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. I, after I finished watching, um, I was also there for the Alcaraz Chilich one. After I finished watching like the first two sets of that, I walked over and I watched Sinner in like this, it was like, what was it, the round four against Ivashka, where he almost lost the most ridiculous mm-hmm. match with like five people on Louis Armstrong, including myself. Um, it, it was, I agree with you. I I actually do agree with you. I think that Sinner's ceiling is higher, you know, not to be biased, because I think Sinner's game is going to age a lot more gracefully than Alcaraz's. Yeah, we're, we're um, like, what are you boys talking about? That's That's I my concern know, with him. Right? That that's my only concern with Alcaraz is phys- like he relies a lot on his physicality to overwhelm opponents, and I question how long he's going to be able to do that. Whereas Yannick is like still in this like fourteen year old boy's body, like cranking balls harder than Alcaraz is. It just doesn't make sense. Last think- point before we wrap up, I do want to mention because what you just said is what we all thought about Nadal and Feder. We thought Nadal wouldn't be able to do it physically anymore. He's still out there. And unfortunately, our beloved Roger is now retired. But do not count out Carlos. That boy's got a high ceiling. Am I okay. right? Roger is older than Rafa. Calm down, uh, number right, one. Right. Well, but 
still. Still, Five no one ever old. thought Nadal would do it. Yeah. Alcaraz has the flexibility. When he when he figures it out, you're like, he gets in his own way. I agree with you. But I think when he can figure it out, he can has the most flexibility in his game where he could play all sorts of different types of games. He'd be aggressive. He could come to net. He could do everything. Yeah. I know we got a wrap. Yeah, on all surfaces too. That's another thing that's super impressive about each of these guys. All surfaces, they're all great, which is awesome. But we are going to have to wrap it up because I think we could talk about tennis all night with these two. So um, first of many podcasts on with the Schoolyard Social Boys. Um, this was great. Thanks so much for coming on, guys. We really appreciate it. Um, give them a follow at Schoolyard Social on Instagram. Check out the Lucra app. Um, they're going to be posting all their stuff on there. I was signing up for Lucra in the middle of this podcast, so I'm on there. Maybe I'll show up to one of these. Who knows? Um, but uh, yeah, uh, boys, any of your last words? Give us a shout out on your uh, on your socials. Make sure people can follow you. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, no, go for a win. No, I was just going to say thank you so much for having us. You know, we we love it so much. We're definitely going to post everything we can about the Breakpoint Cop podcast. This has been such a cool experience, you know, and we're, hopefully we'll do it again. And we definitely got to get you out for a Square Social event. That's for sure. 100%. Um, I will say I, I've been looking forward to this pod for a really long time. I, I remember hitting up uh your guys's insta page i don't know maybe like a month ago or two months ago just being like wow like this just seems like the most fun thing in the world to do um so i think you guys are doing a great job you know win and i've got something great going on with schoolyard social it's it's awesome to talk tennis and you know talk sports so this is kind of a dream so so happy to be on on the pod thank you guys absolutely and uh We'll have you on soon. We'll be talking some Fed and some other good topics so you guys can be some regular guests. Love Love it. it. All right, guys. Thank you. See ya. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you next time. See you soon. Bye, guys.